Wonderfully, wonderfully, wonderfully pretty. <laughs> you know that I'll do anything for you. It'd be like me doing it. Me trying to sing exactly like him would be like Fergie's uh, version of the national anthem that she got all that shit for. <laughs> Are you a cat person? Me? Yeah. Who else am I talking to? I. I like cats. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of time for cats. But I haven't had a cat mm. since I was about 10, 12, maybe, right. I think. So now I would put myself firmly in the dog, sure. the dog person part, because we've always had a dog. It's like having a cat, though, in like the cat community is like a badge of honor. But I always wonder, how many cats does it take before it nudges you into that crazy cat woman? I think it's at a time. You oh, need to yeah. have, you know, at least four. <laughs> yes, I think that must be the threshold. Mm, and then people become quite weird. Let's just put it my problem with cats. My problem with cats, <laughs> yes. and I'll be honest with you, mm-hmm. is that for them to have a good quality of life, you have to be prepared every single day for them to be killed. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't... I can't deal with that kind of emotional pressure. <laughs> well, at least you don't hate them. No, I, I love them. I thought we might like lose half the audience for a moment. There. No, no, no. I love them. I just... Every time, like every night, they can get run over by a car, killed by a dog. They get, you know, get into a fight with a possum, get cat aids, <laughs> get into fights with other cats. Well, the other thing too is that they just don't give a fuck either. So they 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 don't necessarily love their owners, <laughs> or on well, on their terms. My sister has two cats. She had one cat that she that they've had since before their kids were born, and then she decided. Uh, what was it? Six months ago, to, to get another cat because she thought every every child should should have experience having a kitten, and it's a tabby cat. The best. And apparently, according to the vet, it can go two ways. <laughs> they can be incredibly affectionate, mm-hmm. or they can just not give a fuck about. Yeah, it. no, they can be real assholes. They can be both as well. Both. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> she's now got two because the other cat also yeah. is a psycho cat. Yeah. Cat. Like it loves to be patted. It, it like when I whenever I house sit, it'll come up, it'll jump on my lap, but you usually give it three or four strokes, and then it will attack you. <laughs> Is that enough? And it's you can see like, those eyes dilate. You yeah. can see the tail fluff like, up, <laughs> and then it goes. And it, it it wants to sleep in the bed with you, mm-hmm. right next to you. Yeah. But if you move, it will attack you. Yeah, fucking. Like up. it uh, is, and now they've got two of them. <laughs> like the other one, the new one is just as bad. Well, I don't think we've ever recorded a more relatable podcast, mate. <laughs> we should just we should just call it good good cat Monday. Just cat talk. We just cat talk. Just yeah. talk about cats. <laughs> I'm sure our audience just you know multiplied. I reckon if we did a cat podcast, <laughs> it would go like it's like it's like that rule. You know, there used to be that rule in the Herald Sun. Like somewhere in the first six pages, there had to be a picture of a dog. Yeah. I it, didn't know that because it got readership. <laughs> it's genius. It's, yeah. 
Who wants to see a picture of a dog? I do. Like just on the front cover, down the bottom. Like it's like I don't like walking into a shopping center if there's not a dog at the front waiting for its owner that I can go up and pat. You know, I don't like <laughs> walking into Jarrett. A... <laughs> Jarrett's even worse for it. He doesn't care what kind of dog it is. It can be like, you know, drooling, foaming at the mouth. Clearly ready to bite, and he's like, "Ooh, dog!" Each to their own. I mean, for me, it's bouncy ball machines. Like, I can't go into a, a supermarket or a mall without a bouncy ball machine. No, I want to. I, I need to have like an electric car that uh, Jennifer Connelly can can ride. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a la career opportunities. Have you seen my bouncy ball collection? I haven't. No. Well, have you got a pit? Is that is that what that room downstairs is? Only once in my lifetime have I set them down the stairs. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good time. Was that when you were trying to recreate uh, like a feist music video? <laughs> well, firstly, they're a lot... One, two, like, three, four... They're a lot the heavier. One? The big ones are a lot heavier than you think. And once they're let go, like they have a mind of their own and they damage things. <laughs> Potentially put a hole in the wall. Much like cats when you roll them down the That's, stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably say hello to everybody. Sure. <laughs> this is Good Movie Monday, the podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name's Glenn Cochran and the guy over there is... What's my name? Say it. It's uh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> uh, let me just look it up. <laughs> it's Ben Helwig. That's the last time I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the padding, mate. Yep. And what we do here is <laughs> we pick movie topics most weeks, attach them to you know <laughs> tenuously to a, a guest to that a we've guest. got on the show, and then we talk about movies related to such things. Uh, this week, our special guest is Susanna Fogel, the director of a new movie called, of all things, Cat Person. Hence the cat tour. Oh, is that the cat question? Yes. Is that where it came from? Exactly I thought right. it was just r- related to the opening song. Well, the opening, well, the opening song, song is, is related to the guest. <laughs> Very good. Very clever, Glenn. Oh, Ben's learning. It's There's good. like levels to this show. It's not like I do it every week. <laughs> but you did say before we started recording, you said this is the most unprepared that you've ever been. So I figured that meant that you just randomly picked a song that's not related <laughs> to anything. I'm moderately prepared, <laughs> which is unprepared for me. I just like I've just I picked a whole bunch of songs from the Cats the musical. <laughs> well, that's fine. That'd be yeah, yeah, just be tenuous, theme yeah. it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> loose show, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> comedy thrillers. Comedy thrillers is the actual theme, not cat movies, because Cat Person is kind of a comedy thriller. So that's how I'm tying it in. But um, we're going to talk about Cat Person a bit later. But but damn, it's a very unsuspecting film. I think you're going to really like this one, Ben. Oh, I'm excited. I can't yes. wait. What else is coming up on the show, Ben? This is uh, now where I, I just throw it to you on this part. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think uh, we've got our... Um, we're going to talk about the... Uh, you put the question out on mm-hmm. the uh, socials. Yep. And we got a great response this time. I was actually a bit upset <laughs> by some of them because I was like, I wanted to talk about that. But, and now they've... But you I mean, still can. We still can. Yeah. They facilitated it, so I'm grateful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's right. <laughs> uh, but like one was going to be my like super secret, like I bet you didn't think of this because it's un- it's very underrated and <laughs> like five, only five people saw it. Oh, well, it's, one it's on of those people there. <laughs> yeah, is, is one of the people who commented. Um, and we've got uh, Jarrett coming up, giving us all the... Goss on the one, <laughs> the one release this week, yep. one physical release this week. Mm. Uh, the Boneheads from Kentucky are giving us their, uh, I think their segment this week is on films that they'll never see, which I love the theme of. Yep, it's a great uh, theme. Though, should... though it's very odd. And, well, it is, it's odd, but I mean, a little little teaser, spoiler alert here, one of those films kind of does tie in. With does what... tie in. Yeah. But you know, look, one thing, I was disappointed with their, not disappointed with the segment, but... Uh, just with them in general? Just, <laughs> But uh, throughout the show, Joe was constantly giving James shit for having uh, bosoms. And let me tell you, James, I will go you bosom for bosom, my friend. 
Look at the face of those coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like uh, Mitch from uh, Fight Club. <laughs> Mitch tits. Is it Mitch? Yeah. <laughs> I just need to hug you like Edward Norton hugs Meatloaf. <laughs> Let me cry. Let me cry into your uh, shoulder. Uh, that'll be next week's banner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also play music on the show. So there's a couple of great songs coming up. Go to goodmoviemonday.com. You can go to all of our social media pages there, including our Spotify list where those songs can be found. But yeah, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and you know, kind of on the others, but TikTok is Instagram. very prevalent as well. We have links to all of those. Please... Interact with us. Um, join join the mob. They're now interacting with us with this question we put out every week to help, you know, I guess, finesse the show or, or build a conversation that we just can't be bothered thinking of. I'm, look, I talked you into, like, I can't remember how long ago it was now. I feel like it's at least six months, but it may actually be in the start of the year. And I talked you into getting this Zoom pod track yes. recorder. And one of the reasons I did is because it, it has... Uh, the function to do like live special effects sound so we could add in <laughs> stupid... I've uh, told you about this though, haven't I? Yeah, you have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the idea was that, you know, I could, there would be a fart button that I could yeah. press or constantly yeah, yeah. and stuff. But also it's got a thing that lets you hook into the, to a phone. And have someone call in. And that's, I was like, we should do live shows where people can call in while we're recording. I know exactly who those people would most likely be, <laughs> and it would be a train wreck, but a, a glorious one. Well, something to think about. Maybe a, a spin-off live show. Yeah. Yeah, 2014. There we were. We pick a night where no one goes out, yeah. like a Monday or a Wednesday. Hey, I'm, always you, you really a, yeah. I'm always out on a Monday <laughs> and a Wednesday. Yeah. It's Thursday? It's problematic. Oh, maybe. Sunday night? Who goes oh, out on a Sunday? I, night? Yeah, I kind of do something else on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's your own time. Yeah, well, we, it's podcast. Podcast. Thank really, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe all, you know, people work from home. We could just do it like Monday morning. <laughs> a Monday morning uh, caller, you're on the air. <laughs> what film do you want to talk What uh, What erotic thriller do you want to talk uh, about? But we've seen Play Misty for me. We don't, we've got to be very <laughs> careful with these. Or whatever that fucking movie was last week we talked about. I wanted it to be like pump up the volume, except yeah. neither of us are really as cool as Harry Hardon. No, you can't be that cool. Um, no, we would lose listeners. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine doing that now? Like, like masturbating on air and stuff like that, like Christian Slater does in that film? <laughs> Something different I want to do this week, though, Ben, before we move on, is uh, I usually... Are you wearing pants? <clears throat> you can't tell. No, I can't tell. <laughs> it remains to be seen. We'll just... I might have a song lined up to accommodate that. I saw on... I think it was Instagram, but I think it... Or it was a YouTube ad, but they were selling these little portable Wi-Fi kind of security camera things that you can... They're literally... like I'm assuming that they were designed for... Sh- for like um, <laughs> upskirting perverts or something because they're like they're like the size of a button and you can stick them on anything and it will Bluetooth to a phone and you can record stuff. I've seen them. So one of these days I'm going to have to get one of these and just on a live stream from under your side of the <laughs> desk. <laughs> just to prove. <laughs> just to prove. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I have seen those things applied on TikTok to cat collars. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So... Thanks for tying it in, mate. Yeah, Thanks for tying no it in. But no, what I wanted to quickly do is just mention uh, Newsly because I can't be bothered recording a little promo for that later. So uh, <laughs> I just want everyone to know that the preferred place to listen to this show is on the Newsly app. It's a super app that um, takes all of the 
highest trending news articles from around the world and puts them into your phone and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. But it also has all the podcasts that you could possibly want as well as the news. Usually, eh? Yeah. So it was designed for people that are visual, you know, have um, vision impairment and things like that. And how does it work with its subscription tiers? Subscription tiers, well, they have a premium service and uh, they actually offer our listeners a free month of premium if they use the code Monday without the O. What's the difference between the premium and the free version? Well, the free is just your your regular um, podcasts and news articles. And then when you go up a tier to the next subscription, it unlocks a lot of like uh, side podcasts, a lot of um, additional content. And uh, Are and we on the free side or are we on the premium side? <laughs> well, we haven't got any additional content on there. <laughs> we don't have any additional content. No, well, no, we do. Every night is, every night on social media, we we've got additional content. We do. We should really whack that on the Patreon, <laughs> if I'm being honest with this. But um, look, I mean, the... the the premium service is there to explore for free for a month. So the code is Monday without the O, M-N-D-A-Y. Go to newsly.me, download it, check it out. So. Monday. <laughs> Monday. Monday. No better time to jump into this. It's that time every single week where we drag Jarrett from out of his 4K closet and and welcome him to the show. Thank you. It's good to be out of the cupboard of shame for once and uh, <laughs> able to talk about physical media in a in a healthy, open environment. But there's there's not a great deal to talk about this week, gentlemen, because I'll tell you this. I do have some news, though, so I'm not going to just, you know, keep it short and sweet. There is only one release this week on home entertainment. <laughs> and understandably, because it's a it's, big one, you know. It's a big one. It's like the Barbie week where no one really wanted to go up against Barbie on home entertainment. So it's universal releasing Oppenheimer on all the formats. I have mentioned in the past the special feature content, so I'm not going to go into that. I'm just going to let you know it's out on home entertainment. And now that it's out on home entertainment, I'm going to check it out because I can comfortably watch this movie at a three-hour-plus duration <laughs> from from home and some, in 4K with Dolby Atmos. Some might say it's the biggest bomb of the year. <laughs> there you go. There they you walked go. into that one. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. and in true bomb fashion... I have no interest in rewatching it. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, because both of you guys have seen it and you've probably seen it in the best presentation that you could see it in on IMAX. So, well, I mean, some know. would say that. I don't like, I don't think anything is preferable in IMAX, but, you know. I don't rate IMAX too much, to be honest, especially last one I saw, I think, was... Oh, no, I did see E.T. when they did the... And that was reformatted for IMAX and whatever. And it was spectacular and it was great to hear it. And it was a good way to see a film that I've seen many times differently rescoped and whatnot but the last one i saw that was a new release was june which had the switching ratio between yeah. imax See, and traditional that was i did not enjoy the I've experience got, i've got no interest in watching things in imax when they actually utilize the entire screen like that to me is overwhelming yeah. and too much like if yeah. they presented in like a you know a, a letterbox on imax and that's not a problem you know but with yeah, Nolan, yeah. he fucking flip-flops between formats and it's like, what, well, shit, what? <laughs> well, I, I even felt that with the with June as well in that I was like, it would... Oh, Jarrett's frozen. I think his back went out, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, though, while Jarrett uh, paused, like, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve all my opinions on IMAX until I see the first IMAX porno. <laughs> they can switch all the aspect ratios they want yes well jesus <laughs> why are we looking at this sandworm and then realized that old mate timothy Shyamalan was at the bottom of the screen and i was like oh so my great. question to you jared is that entire time you were talking we saw you frozen and we oh, had a yeah. conversation 
Did you oh, not right. did you not see any of our conversation? No, I um I was too busy having a rant about uh June in IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> So at wait least you, you won't, you you won't offend back. any of the June fans. Wait till you watch I, this you know, back. And, and, well, at least we didn't miss anything good. Well, any you the, did. Well, I did, clearly, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I hope you asked a question and then I came back agreeing to it. It was something I normally would Well, let's just say, to. I mean, it, it relates to sandworms. So. Oh, okay, fair enough yeah. then, fair yeah. enough. All right, well, some news, gentlemen, some news. So this is pretty exciting. Warner have got some titles coming up, back catalogue titles that Roadshow will be releasing in December. I think they're they're scheduled for around December 5th. And again, these ones are kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, We've got, you know, Andrew Davis's The Fugitive from 1993, which is the feature adaptation of the 1960 TV series. Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, quotable as hell. I heard just recently, and I have done absolutely no research into The Fugitive other than loving the film and just Mm. watching it that it was a nightmare to make. Have you heard this? I no, haven't. but really? there's a commentary with Andrew Davis and Harrison Ford. It was on the existing, and of, I think, like the 30th anniversary. Well, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it's I consider that to be one of the few perfect films. Like, it is a flawless movie in my eyes. Yeah, I, I love it. I almost don't... Look, I didn't click on the article. I saw a, it was like a clickbait thing. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, well, I, look, I don't really don't want to know. I don't really want, <laughs> I don't need anything to ruin this film for me. Yeah, it's I love I love uh, that. I love that when you do have a troubled production for whatever reason, whether it's the cast not getting along or the director hmm. not getting along with the cast, or you know, uh, you know, force sort of mother nature interfering, and you know, and if a film manages to you know survive all of those problems and turn out to be fantastic, yeah, it's a hell of an achievement. Yeah. Look at Waterworld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, me being the sequel guy, what do you what do you think of um US Marshals? US Marshals? I did see it theatrically and I only saw it once, which was I like it. I mean it, and that's not I me just it, being me. Came... I, I think it's a decent movie. I think I... it was alright, yeah. Like I felt like it was a bit more like although, you know, obviously it's got some huge set pieces and clearly it's got a lot of money behind it, but it did feel a little bit more like a director video sequel just with you know, ridiculous budget. But I was a huge fan of Wesley Snipes at the time as well. So, you know, I would basically watch anything he was in. I saw Boiler, was it Boiling Point? I saw that theatrically. Mm-hmm. So I would have watched anything with Wesley Snipes. And of course, <laughs> Passenger 57, um, I mean, gentlemen, that... for the second week in a row. Yeah. <laughs> bring... <laughs> Passenger 57, always bet on black. Yes. That's, a senior, um... a senior, a senior. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm in the same boat as you. I saw it theatrically, and I remember I must have just seen Big Lebowski theatrically as well because when I went to Village in the City, Village Cinemas in the City, and they had the bar then, and that was still like a like relatively like most cinemas didn't have alcohol service. And I went in and asked for a White Russian. And the <laughs> guy behind the counter had no idea what I was talking about, and I was like, I think it was just Kalura and milk. I think, uh, and maybe some vodka in there. I don't know. Whatever. I I was I. I'd been in that predicament also when I worked in a cinema and they gave me a bar shift because someone didn't turn up. And I said, well, apart from like popping the top on beers and maybe pouring the odd <laughs> glass of wine, I, I don't know how to make cocktails, let alone, you but know, also, did you complex have spirits. Yeah, yeah, no, no, this was this was the Hoyt's um, Regent Cinema and they had like a little bar and it was... No, but did you but, have your serving... Oh, RSA, yeah, yeah. It was... I had to do the RSA okay. as part of my role. So I think because... I was of age and I had the RSA. They made me do it. Yeah. And I tell you what, the very first person that came in asked for a white Russian. And I was like, look, I've seen Big Lebowski many times. <laughs> 
but I have no clue. And so they just, you know, coached me through it and I just made it for them on the spot. It's a tasty, beverage. It's a tasty beverage, but I do prefer the dirty black Russian. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of the white Russians, actually, I just revisited recently the devil's advocate, which I'd only ever seen once prior. And I saw that shortly. I feel like shortly after I saw big Lebowski, cause I was at a friend's house and he just made white Russians all night until we ran out of something. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we were just drinking milk and something. And I, we watched that and last man standing and my memories of both of those films are very poor. And I've, been reluctant to revisit them because I fear that like it's going to be an acid trip, going to bring back all that night. <laughs> Milk, and Milky memories. Yeah, and I, I remember I, I actually had vomited down his hallway uh, all the way to the bathroom and and I didn't realise this until the following morning because his par- it was his parents' place. I'd actually ripped the seat off the toilet, so I must have been violently ill, ripping the seat off the toilet and throwing up. But I did revisit Devil's Advocate the other night, no flashbacks, <laughs> and I really enjoyed the film. So I think I'm going to do Last Man Standing this weekend, but completely say, off topic. I would say avoid Last Man Standing if you haven't seen any of the Dollars movies. Oh, yeah, I have not seen the trilogy yet. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for Ben's other podcast to pop up, his side project <laughs> podcast, so I can sit down and finally watch those three films, or in particular, the one that, you know, everyone talks about. The big one. I think the, the, big the, one. the, the funny thing is, like, if you watch it, you'll be just be like, you'll be disappointed with uh, a, for a fistful of dollars. You'd be like, this is just a ripoff of Last Man Standing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just what looking because I'm much, pretty sure. Yeah, I do. Version is much better. <laughs> Look, I've even bought it in readiness. Look, here it is. It's waiting. Oh, there it is. There waiting it is. for its, uh, <laughs> it's still sealed, as you can see, in shrink wrap. I think it's the third time I've owned it because I've owned it on DVD, Blu-ray, and now 4K. Still not seen it, but I know that it's something that I'm probably going to love. I'll All be right. bitterly disappointed if I don't because I've really <laughs> invested in this film over the last twenty odd years. So. We'll have to. We'll have to. I'll have to record the pilot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> pilot absolutely. So the news. I haven't told you the news. So the two titles that are coming out. Well, I did tell you about the fugitive, but I haven't told you about the other title. The other title that's coming out. Oh, and. Sorry, The Fugitive's going to have Dolby Atmos. So I'm very excited. Plus, it's a proper restoration. It's been overseen by Andrew Davis as well. So it's it's going to look schmicko. I'm really excited. And the he Blu-ray needs to make another movie. He fantastic. needs to make another movie. Agreed, absolutely. Uh, but the other title. The other title, I'll give you a little hint. Okay, so it's got uh, what... One of the one of the actors that's in it. It was one of I think it was her first film. To be honest, when did this turn uh, into a gameplay? Oh, well, you know, I figured I'd throw a bit of game in there. Um, now she's rumored to, rumored <laughs> to be a uh, a sex trafficker. Um, I know it's a bit of a conspiracy theory. So this is her first film, uh, and she is rumored to be a sex trafficker. Uh, it also stars another actress slash stand up comedian, and this was her first dramatic role. And uh, she's completely turned... Um, Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi. On The View. Not great. You know, always getting um, her back up We're against not talking, some... It's not Jumping Jack Flash. No, God, I wish it was Jumping Jack. No, that's trapped in the 20th Century Fox library. So oh, don't think we'll purple? see a full K of that. It is the colour purple. Yes. <clears throat> great. It's obviously coming out because they've got the, the new adaptation coming out early oh, next so year. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Yeah, the rumor is that yeah, yeah, yes, you know, is. yeah, Epstein. that's one of the she's, she's an Epstein crony, crony. yeah, a crony of Epstein. Yeah. But yeah, that one's coming out on 4K. 
I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing it doesn't have Dolby Atmos. I don't know if we do need to hear this movie. I certainly don't need to hear Whoopi being smacked around by Danny Glover in Dolby Atmos. But it's a great film, like it honestly is. And I, I, yeah, I, I'm hesitant about this redo that's coming out early next year. You know, I think this film was vastly underrated. And I think at the time, obviously, Spielberg being the director, yeah. he was known as being the spectacle high concept director. And then he did this, this fantastic film. Uh, which was vastly underrated, as the, is the, the next film we did after the, that. The new one is based off the stage show, so that's, ah, that's okay. the point of difference. Which it's is much it going to have musical. any? So it is musical. Yep. Oh yep. god, I definitely not interested. Well, in I mean, that. I mean, the the original Spielberg film is kind of a musical because there's a lot, yeah. lots of gospel music throughout but it, do, and they, they sing stopping. on screen. But, but no, do they? They stop and sing in this movie, they like, do, you know. Yeah. They will. I mean, according to the stage show, that's what they do. It's like Hamilton, but colour purple. Yeah, right. That does sound completely <laughs> out of yeah. my field of interest, I like, unfortunately. I feel like I only want to watch it if it's a Simpsons parody of it, and the Simpsons songwriters do the, like, the like Streetcar Named Desire. Like, I only want to see the... I only want to see the yeah, New Orleans <laughs> if it's sung by Mo and Cheap Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that one's coming out. But again, Warner being Warner, neither of these releases have any new content. It is all archival. But the beautiful thing is that Warner were one of those labels back in the day that actually did give a shit when DVD and Blu-ray were around. So we got some special features on these yep. all archival. But cool. Both of those releases are dropping. So that's the news, gentlemen. So I didn't just want to give you Oppenheimer. I wanted to give you a little bit extra, and we got a whole lot extra. Well, not to mention all of the, the, the Jim Cameron stuff that's coming. Oh, my God, yes, of course. Last week they announced for the US and for international territories. Yeah. It'll be all territories outside of Australia because let's remember that these releases are coming out through 20th Century Studios, which is owned by Disney, and Disney have left the local marketplace. So sadly, we will not be seeing Titanic hit 4K locally in December, nor will we see True Lies, The Abyss, or Aliens hitting 4K locally. March Maybe this year. is the backlash they need. Surely it's going to piss people off, right? Well, it's ridiculous because these are the films that people have been waiting for. Like, I mean, True Lies and The Abyss have not even made it to Blu-ray. Yep. So, you know, now we're just moving straight to 4K and there's such demand for it that, yeah, it, it would be absurd for them not to reconsider and just go well maybe we just do a couple tentpole releases like yeah. these for instance but yeah i'm going to be stocking up on all of them i think obviously the abyss is getting a theatrical run like a, it might be a one night only sort of affair in the u.s i haven't seen if they're doing it locally have you heard anything from Disney? i haven't i haven't heard anything but i'll tell you what if they do i'll be there for that i'll be there i'll be and particularly because i'm going to have to wait till march to actually own it yeah. I'll be more like, than happy to go and see it theatrically. And just, I've never seen The yeah. Abyss on a big screen. No, so That's my yeah. favourite James Cameron film, and I, I actually think it's his best as well. Yeah, I think it's incredible because it's it's so much of everything he's done in the one film, and it's probably his most human film yeah. in a in an odd sort of way. But um, And, I mean, I've really come around. I remember seeing Titanic theatrically when it first came out, and I wasn't big on it. And then I've watched it, you know, at least probably two times on blu-ray uh and i'm i really quite like it now i'm yeah i guess it was like i saw jerry Maguire at the movies when it came out i instantly did not like the film and then years later caught it on tv and i was like god i must have been an asshole because this is a fucking <laughs> magical film um you know but i guess you know it was around the same time 96 97 so you know i was yeah, a young punk. pretentious and shit yeah 
yeah, yeah, you know, I always like the art house movies like Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Now that's a fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so the Cameron stuff coming out. Um, hopefully Disney locally might rethink their decision and just decide to do these ones, even if they just parallel import the international releases get them rated, re-stick them and get them into stores because it would make a lot of sense. And Disney don't region lock the Blu-rays. So the 4K is typically not an issue, but they won't region lock the Blu-rays anyway. But worst case scenario, I'll be importing these suckers because uh, I need every one of them. The only underwhelming thing I found was just true lies was that they've um, there's one sort of documentary they didn't really specify how long it goes for or who participates in it, maybe because it hasn't been shot yet because of the strike and everything. Um, I, I assume that Schwarzenegger is definitely going to be involved because him and Cameron are like this. I just read the recent Schwarzenegger biography about, you know, doing things for other people and all that sort of thing. So hopefully he's Ooh. done something for imagine us and participated if, in that documentary. Imagine if it includes The Kid and I, that little spin-off movie they made with the, the Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis cameoed in with Tom Arnold. Like, and it was yeah, directed by Penelope right. Spiris. And, yeah, I yeah, remember it's that. It's actually yeah. a pretty fun movie. Yeah, well, at this stage, all it's got is the vintage, uh, sorry, the retrospective featurette, and then what I assume to be a photo gallery mm. of, and I'm like, well, okay, that's cool, but where's the commentary, Cameron? You've made us wait. You've you've yeah. made us wait this long. The least you could do is just sit down and record a commentary with Arnie. Well, he's too you know? busy right now putting together the Piranha Two 4K. So of um... course, and that there's speculation that Screen Factory may do Piranha Two this morning in 4K just to ride the you know the coattails of, I would. of these releases i mean why not why I love not it. I want it. include both cuts you know the the european cut with the sexy sexy and you know the original us cut where it's just you know kind of piranha 2 and and <laughs> reversible sleeve piranha 2 the spawning piranha 2 flying killers much better title we're ideas guys here you know so again hopefully the studios listen to us but anyway gentlemen that's it for me this week so until next time Stay physical. Stay physical. Stay physical. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, whatever. People have commented, so it's on them. Yeah. <laughs> Save our bacon. So let's start off with the uh, the number numero uno, Brody Kane. Brody Kane. Always the first off the bat. So he has suggested, which I wouldn't have thought of, but he's right, three billboards outside Ebony, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's got that Coen Brothers sort of vibe to it. That um, Yeah, and well, it's, c- it's the guy, is it? Um, is it the In Bruges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it the Imbruge guy? Michael McDonoghue or something like there's that. Two, yeah. Isn't there there's the two brothers? One yeah, yeah, did yeah. Imbruge and the other did the guard. Yep, that's right. And one did cavalry. Yep. And yep. I, I can never, I don't know which, and one did the one with the little donkey. And the banshees. The little horse. And banshees. the banshees of munition. Yeah. I don't know which is which. <laughs> Me neither. I, I'm not uh, that up on it. Martin McDonoghue. Say- Martin McDonoghue, <clears throat> I think his name is. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Something. <laughs> something. Uh, British. Okay, so you get very offended by that. Is it Irish? Something <laughs> Irish. But um, look, for me, like, yes, I guess, um, it is. It is a kind of comedy thriller. But for me, the best line in that film is actually, or the best performance in that <laughs> film is Samara Weaving. That was like the the kind of was one of the very first Almost kind like of breakthrough. Yeah, performances of hers where you're like, she like every scene in this. She is killing it. Yeah, like it's great, and she's just kind of playing like a ditzy, mm-hmm. the ditzy, you know, John Starr's ditzy new girlfriend, <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's just really good. Um, he also suggested the Burbs. What a great one! Great one, but I mean that to me is more comedy horror. Yeah, but see, yeah, is it though? To I, me, like it, it is. is. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's one of those ones. That I think it's a favorite for for. People into horror, like it's it's like a gateway horror film for almost sure, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but it, I, I for me, it is more of a because th- it's all about the you know are there dead people in the house next door? Yeah, like yeah. What are they doing in the basement? Absolutely. Very thriller, mm-hmm. thriller adjacent, classic, classic almost Hammer style thriller. Yeah. Um. Well, this one's a bit more contentious. He said the Lost Boys. Now that's comedy horror. Yeah, I would say that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Nice Guys. Great one. Good old Shane Black. Thursday. With Thomas Jane, I love that movie. I haven't thought of that movie for a long time. Yeah, I was when I saw that list, I was like, I remember this being like, a, it was a video store stalwart and it was one of those kind of handshake films when somebody came in and were looking at films and you go, oh, what kind of movies do you, you know, can you recommend anything? Yep. What kind of movies do you yep. like? I really like that Thursday. I mean, you're like, <laughs> it's like a handshake film. You're it's, like, a prequel, right. it's a prequel to Friday. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to recommend good things. <laughs> yeah. I, when I, when I spoke to Thomas Jane for the show, when we interviewed him, I said to him, I said to him, man, I go, I love Thursday. And he's like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, it's one of those things. I think actors, especially career savvy actors, which I guess they all are, their feelings toward the project yeah, are often tied into like the- Their lives at the time. Their lives at the time, but also the box office success <laughs> yeah. of a film. And if it doesn't perform at yeah, they can think it's shit. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember what I asked? What's his name? <clears throat> Joe Anderson about um, Backdraft 2? No. Yeah, because I, when I interviewed him, I said, look, you know, not many people are going to tell you this, but I, I, I love Backdraft 2. And he's like, oh. Well, he did that. Oh. Yeah. And he said, well, um, what's it? he goes, I got to work with some good people. <laughs> he didn't want to talk about it at all. I mean, I guess they get savaged in the reviews and stuff like that. Like, it, but when you've you know, got someone but, that's openly actually <clears throat> saying they love something, you know, just embrace that. Because the, I mean, I don't know about you, and it's, I guess, it's going against the very nature of this show. <laughs> but a lot of the time, I read, I read a lot of reviews for films, mm. and especially when there are films I like and they're negative reviews, 
some me like this person's full of shit. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, what the fuck do you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have no doubt that the reviews you know. I write have many of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, look, whenever I interview people and people that listen to the show every week will hear it in my interviews. I always love to go back to an early thing that they've done. Yeah, and throw a bit of praise at them because you know. Well, remember Martin Henderson was really was <laughs> yeah. kind of that's yeah. that's what I love is that they're taking it back talk. at first and yeah. they think you're taking the piss and then it, the penny drops that no you actually do love this. Yeah. Once Martin Henderson realised you like talk, he was on board. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> it's a great movie. I don't care what anyone says. And uh, the last one Brody suggested was Last Boy Scout. Yeah, which is that? I mean, that's comedy action, but maybe uh, is it? No, it's really a th- it's a, it's a it's a I mean, if you take the thriller as the extension of film noir, yeah. <laughs> which you know is kind of the definition, Blast Boy Scout totally fits. Yeah, okay. for me, like okay. it's a, it's a detective story. Sure, I agree. I agree. Um, and off Brody's um, comment, we had Aaron Gox drop in. Aaron Gox, Goxie, the comedian, Goxie. everyone, everyone's favorite uh, big M boy. <laughs> <laughs> he has uh, he has square um, stubby holders for his big M's that he sells. Genius. <laughs> Genius. Great. He um he jumped into the conversation, had a back and forth with Brody, and then he recommended Fargo, which um almost became my recommendation later in the show because Fargo is just top five material for me. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I would I would argue that all of the Coen Brothers films fit into this yeah. category. Even Blood Simple, like the ones that are, are not so strong on the comedy have dark yeah. comedy. And then and by association, Barry Sonnenfeld, who kind of started yeah. off as their cinematographer. Yep. His movies like Big Trouble and Men in Black, they kind of fit into that yep. mold, although his comedy is a lot broader. And a lot quirkier. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, quirkier than the Coen brothers? The Coen brothers are pretty quirky. Okay, well, quirky is cartoony. Yeah. Cartoony. Yeah, he's, he's much more over the top. Yep. Uh, TJ Bowser dropped in again this week to suggest Hot Fuzz. Yeah. American Psycho and Pulp Fiction. Good ones. I can see that. All good ones. American Psycho was one that crossed my mind when I first thought of this. Once again, Horror. It's, like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's <laughs> like a... And then we had Gregory Moss. Once again, he's the writer of The Cost. There's, there's no comedy in The Cost, I just might add. <laughs> it's a thriller, but it's not a, not a comedy. It's not a comedy. He, first one's a banger, Foul Play. Yeah. Amazing film. That's one I remember very vividly watching with my parents when I was young, and I don't think I comprehended the story at the time, but I remember it. My trouble with Foul Play is that, it for me, it, it's merged into all of those... Uh, Chevy Chase, Charles Grodin <laughs> yeah. kind of era movies. Yep. And I'm like, which one is foul play and which one is It's funny how you, you know, go straight to um to Chevy Chase. I mean, he is the star, obviously, but I go to Dudley Moore. To Dudley Moore, yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember as a kid. And then he suggested uh Into the Night. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, John Landis. You'll appreciate this one, Under the Silver Lake. This is the one I was talking about earlier, where <laughs> I was like, this is the one that no one's seen that is and he, I think he says in the comment, like very underrated, hugely misunderstood, and hugely underrated. misunderstood. It is for me <laughs> almost a perfect film. He will love you saying that. I thoroughly, thoroughly love it, and yeah. I thought, I mean, I think David Robert Mitchell kind of bought it on himself because I did see a lot of his Khan press, and he, it was like he thought he was better than the the press asking the questions. Oh, I hate that. And it got like you kind of you look at him, you know, during the press for It Follows, where he's like this kind of sweater kind of dicky wearing kind of almost nerd mm-hmm. kind of guy. And then in this one, he's like wearing a white suit with a oh, cowboy hat. The, the and, pretentiousness and kicks he's, in. he's got long hair and yeah, like yeah. it's kind of got to him a bit. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, but didn't that happen with um, what's Richard uh, the guy that Richard Kelly that did Donnie Darko? The kind, that same kind of thing happened where the ego it? sort of took over. And I mean, look, I, I agree with Bill Murray. Like when you get when you start to get successful, you have got that five years to decide whether or not you're going to be an asshole or not. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard when you make a movie that's as big as that comes out of nowhere, like It Follows did. Yeah, and is as big as It Follows. And everyone was. wants you. And every and yeah. you all of a sudden you're surrounded by sycophants mm-hmm. telling you how awesome you are and everything you say is funny you and everything you say is great. It's, it'd be impossible not to. You'd be like, all of a sudden, everyone's just, you know. Well, it would be really hard to stay grounded. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's I can what, see that's what I'm worried about with the uh, the Philippi brothers, Raka Raka. Yeah, you know, which way are they going to go with their personality? It could go. <laughs> And what else? Did he, two more. Um, Forty Eight Hours and Sexy Beast. Yes. So there we go. It's a good lineup of movies for discussion. I want to add. Um, well, once again, it's that horror thriller thing. I want to add arachnophobia to the list. <laughs> Which, I think this is the second week in a row you've talked Mate, about I'll arachnophobia. Just, I'll just talk about that at, at whim. Uh, see no evil, hear no evil. Once again, with Joan Severance, who I talked about last week, <laughs> uh, and she does. Uh, she does get no good in. Uh, you know, we will see new, which is a complete waste because it's uh, Gene, w- Gene Wilder who's blind. No, no. Oh, he's, he's can deaf. He see he's it? deaf. It's Richard Pryor that's blind. That's blind. <laughs> he can see her now. And he's got he his fingers in it. his pocket like a gun. <clears throat> yeah. When she takes her top off, she's coming out of the shower. Yeah, yeah. And I remember as a kid. No, she can't see him. She's got her eyes closed. Oh, no, no, no. She can see him. Can she? Absolutely, yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought she didn't see she doesn't see him when she gets out of the shower and she's getting for the towel and stuff and he's kinda of in the room. Yeah, but then she walks out and yeah. put your hands up and the towel drops and, yeah. and he's got his finger in his pocket. It looks like an erection, not a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and um I remember as a kid, because I do adore that film. I really, really love it. But I do remember it thinking It took me to tell time. They on are, an analog clock. <laughs> I thought they are strange looking nipples. Because <laughs> the nipples blended in with the breast colour. With the, yeah. As I grew older, I learned to appreciate a lot more, and they're nice. <laughs> yeah. They come in all they come in all shapes and sizes. It's also the movie that introduced me to Kevin Spacey. Yes, it was the first time I'd ever known I think Kevin I, Spacey. I think I may have seen him in Wise Guy, but I don't know if yeah, that was because when he or... blew up and became an A lister, all I could think of he's that guy. He's that British guy from Sino Evil. You know, yeah. <laughs> what a great movie, quotable to no end. Fuzzy yeah. Wuzzy was a woman. <laughs> Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> You mean? Yeah. Not white? <laughs> Which is Wait a minute. I'm black. <laughs> Does mom know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I thought about the January Man, yes. Kevin Klein. which I revisited a while ago. Didn't really hit the mark like it used to. Look, I because the whole the premise of the movie really is that Kevin Klein is in love with his brother's wife, and they're having an affair. Yeah. And his brother's Harvey Keitel. And that's the kind of main, it makes it really hard to sympathize for him in that kind like, it's not like it's gumshoe yeah. where one brother steals the wife away and then they start having an affair and the other brother's an arsehole. Like Harvey Keitel isn't really an arsehole, you know, it's just, it's a real <laughs> tough one. It was a, always a tough one for me, to, for me to get my head around. And there was a time where I loved Kevin Klein. Mm-hmm. And it was like you know, I would have loved, I would have loved to watch that movie. It was like one that I, I really wanted to love, and I just, I could never get there with it. Had a good poster, the, 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 mm. the video art. And I love Mary in. Elizabeth Master Antoni. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> Are there any <coughs> others you want to add to the list? 
well, I've got my. Are we. <laughs> We've got a visual here. Are we talking about these later after the thing, or no, am no, I you talking can talk, about them now? Talk about it now. Why not? All right. All right. Because I brought in. I brought in some visual aids. Excellent. Which are useless uh, to the listeners. To the listeners, but they're they're not for the listeners. They they're keep being on track for me. <laughs> they keep you focused. Because uh, I put in a like you know the guard which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, earlier. For me, once again, almost a perfect film, if not a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Gleeson's greatest role. Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle's greatest role. Mark Strong is is everything. Everything about it is great. <laughs> it is. Everyone in it is great. It's just hilarious, and it is a great thriller. I've never seen this cover art for the Blu-ray. Yeah, I was actually. I only recently picked it up because it was like I can't. Why don't I have this? It's new cover art, isn't it? It's like a re-release cover art because it's not the original. It's, like, yeah. it's it's a it's one that has a weird poster anyway. Well, yeah. But um, like okay, it, cool. I don't know what the poster was, but it's not that. <laughs> it had um, all the characters on it, I think. Yeah, uh, look, one of my favorite films in the in, in most recent times, The Gentleman, and I think this is this is Guy Ritchie's forte. These kind of comedy crime movies. So I've got The Gentleman, yeah. but it equally applies to uh, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. <laughs> yep. Uh, although Ruse de Guerre is not quite as good as The Gentleman, and. He kind of departs from it in um, what's the what was the one that he just did? Not the Covenant, the the one with Wrath, of, Wrath, of Man. Wrath of Man, yeah, which has has very little in the way of if no comedy in it, really. It's, it's very, it's, got, it's not Richie. No, really. it doesn't have that yeah. kind of you know that gritty kind of British kind of sense of humor to it. It does have a few kind of darkly comedic moments, but it's not really. It's, yeah, it's kind of jam. Yeah, it's um. But the gentleman is, and mainly, mainly for Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant steals the show, and then Amazing. they kind of, you know, he carries over again in in Operation Fortune. Uh, but is definitely one here of we go, here we go. The all time classic. It's not an episode if you don't mention Get Carter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is like in terms of black comedy, there's there's nothing better than, mm. uh, than I Get have Carter. been contemplating for months to revisit that. I just need time. It's yeah. Okay, it's totally worth it. I love the picture on the back. It's not from the film, but on the back of the cover. But um, what? That picture, like it's just, it's like a oh, stage it's, shot. It's yeah, like a it's promo, a pro- photo. promo it's not photo. a it's not I a like it when film. they do that, though. I really do. Sometimes it's, it is better. Um, I don't think it's also, I think I, there's, after I first watched this film, uh, which I think was a couple of years ago, I picked it up in, in a powerhouse sale. I think I must have mentioned it about 50 times. It's Gumshoe with Albert Finney, <laughs> yes. directed by um, Stephen Frears. I think it was his You've already first, mentioned it on this film. episode. Have I? No, no. no oh, I you mentioned Gumshoe as a genre, I think, maybe. I thought you said Gumshoe earlier. I think I said Private Detective. I didn't say Gumshoe. Mm, okay. I don't think so. Anyway. There's one way to find out, Glenn. You'll, <laughs> you'll find out in the edit. And now that I've said Gumshoe a couple of times, I'm sure you can work it in. <laughs> you just edit it in. Just randomly out of nowhere, just be- I just say gumshoe. You'd be like, see, you did say it earlier. This is why you want to go live. This is, yeah. <laughs> I can't trust the end. <laughs> ring, uh, ring. Yes, hello. It's gumshoe. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the ultimate. This is a, it's a film about this, uh, like a basically unemployed. He's a bingo caller. Uh, that's his day job, but he's really, he's on the dole. Yep. In the 70s. Uh, I think it's the 70s or is it the 80s? I think it's the 70s. 71, it is definitely the 70s. Mm. Uh, who, as a, He's a big fan of um, 
Dashiell Hammett and those kind of pulpy detective novels and detective films. He his main goal is to go to Hollywood, become a become a star in in private detective films. Mm-hmm. So as a birthday present to himself, he takes it. He puts an ad out in the paper, like for private detective work, like no you know no divorce work, but he'll you know. And then he gets a call, <laughs> and he thinks it's his friends setting him up for like a joke, and he the the you know for a party kind of thing, and it's you know, go to this hotel room at seven o'clock for a job. So he turns up and it's, there's a fat guy watching TV who says everything you need to know is in the envelope by the door. And so he's, you know, he kind of, you know, plays along in character, talking with a bad American accent like Sam Spade, takes the envelope. And while he's going home on the bus, he looks in the, in the envelope and there's like a water cash and a gun with the name of the person he's supposed to kill. And it kind of goes from there. It is... The, ex- the, oh, uh, no, maybe I did. I did mention Gumshoe because because in Gumshoe, uh, the whole thing is Albert Finney's girlfriend, played by Billy Whitelaw, that mm. he's kind of – because he's kind of not going anywhere. And his brother is a real kind of um, savvy business mm-hmm. business type <laughs> guy who, you know, like st- like you know the joke is like when they were kids, he stole all of his um, – tin soldiers and melted them down and sold them a scrap. Like he's a real kind of businessy type guy. He basically steals Billy Whitelaw from Albert Finney. Okay. Even though they're, he's clearly an asshole and he basically ignores her and, and he, they're clearly still in love with each other. Well, there uh, we so go. I, 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 I don't have to go manipulate <clears throat> the tapes. Thank goodness. It is there. You're right. Uh, and the other one is, uh, is Payback, which is I think a more comedic version, totally. like black, black comedic. Mm version of point blank. I just the first time I saw that I was really taken back by how just relentless that movie is. I feel like it just goes goes goes, doesn't slow down. It has a it was once that I saw a a, a seal on Sono movie called Tokyo Tribe at Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. And I I was blown away by it. I was like this movie's fucking awesome and I came out and I talked to a friend of mine who's like a you know, it was a pretty well-respected Twitch went back before Twitch. Yep. was the the weird streaming platform <laughs> thing where you watch other people play games. Yep. When it was a genre website, he was a film critic for Twitch. And he was like, yeah, but it kind of sits at one level. It doesn't, mm. you know, slow down and speed up. Or it which doesn't does, have which any... Which that describes John Wick. It certainly does. Yep. And it's the reason why I love the first John Wick and hate all the sequels. Same here. <laughs> Same here. Uh, and Payback is kind of like that. It doesn't really... Mm doesn't really slow down. But it's got Greg Henry and Lucy Liu kind of and David Paymer, all the side characters around Mel Gibson. Yep. Really still the show. But also and um William uh <laughs> And in the film he's like he's like the bucktooth bastard, but he's great. But the, the Devine, whole, Devine. William Devine. William Devine, yep. William Devine. But the, the joke of the film is that like at the beginning of Payback, um Mel Gibson sets up a job with Greg Henry for they're, they're, each of them are supposed to take 30 grand. That's supposed to be a 60 grand take and each of them get 30. And Greg Henry needs 30,000 to buy himself back into the outfit. And when they do the job, there's only 30 grand in the payroll. And Greg Henry is basically set up and then Greg Henry basically portrays Mel Gibson and takes all the money. Yeah. That's the opening of the, of the, the setup. Film. Yep. And uh, so Mel Gibson basically dismantles the outfit trying to get back his 30 grand. And none of them can, be, like, they're all like, this guy wants a million dollars. He's like, no, $30,000. He's like, <laughs> you, right. you know, and there's a, there's a scene with James Coburn 
where he's uh he's just come back from travel and he's his luggage and when James when when Mel Gibson goes it's thirty thousand he goes thirty thousand dollars my luggage costs more than that yeah. <laughs> like they just can't believe that he's going to that much trouble it's like a, it's a great it's just a fantastic <laughs> film uh, and the last look the last one I want to talk about just very quickly is Hopscotch uh-huh. uh it's a Ronald Neem film stars uh, Walter Matthau. Glenda Jackson, Sam Waterston, a very young Sam Waterston, Herbert Lom from the Pink Panther films, and Ned Beatty, a tour de force performance from Ned Beatty as the arsehole. That's boss. a cast to die for. I've never seen it, but... You've never seen... This movie right. is... It's fucking great. Walter <laughs> Matthau is like a kind of senior... He's like the head of the... I think it's the Berlin branch <laughs> of the CIA. Uh, and he's like really old school. And uh, Ned Beatty is kind of like the new young Turk boss that's come in over him and who uh-huh. wants to get rid of all of the old guys who are stuck in their ways and don't do anything the new, you know, he's like a Harvard grad yep. rather than a, than a street kind of operative. Cool. And so basically he fo- basically fires Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. So Walter Matthau on his way out steals his personnel file, swaps it around with someone else's and threatens to write a tell-all book about the CIA, and then just totally fucks with Ned Beatty. Excellent. For the whole rest of the film, and it is f- great. It's added to my watch list, mate. It, uh, I can leave this here for you if you want. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. I I'm, I forgot that I keep my Criterion Blu-ray in a different place, and so I brought in the DVD, but I'm positive I have it on Blu-ray. But the DVD, it's still a Criterion DVD. It's pretty amazing.
week on the show Ben we played Roxy music this week is Genesis in too deep from American Psycho nothing more fitting <laughs> I, I do I fucking love that I love this song mm. I love Genesis yep. I love Phil Collins I've, <laughs> yeah I, I I do take it on the chin when they make fun of it in uh, anyone who likes Phil Collins in movies a lot of movies that they talk about it they seem to do it with a bit of a I love him of a of a tongue-in-cheek but um <laughs> before we uh move on and talk about uh, the guest you remember last week at the start of the show, I joked about wanting to surprise you with the interview <laughs> yes, I do. with Anthony, with Anthony Penta, the director of We Kill for Love and how it didn't happen. Yep. Well, lo and behold, after, straight after- <laughs> As predicted. As predicted, <laughs> they got in touch and he listened to the episode. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. So look, I did, I did invite him on the show. Hopefully he comes back. It'll, it'll have to be like a little separate thing because we're kind of, we're guested out for the rest of the year. Yep, yep. But uh, hopefully he does get back to me. We, we do get <laughs> to talk to him about uh, erotic thrillers. Summer series, but summer series. Summer series. He did talk about how much, he did mention he's glad that he's not the only person who loves 8mm too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, Everybody, 8mm too, get on it. A justification for you there. <laughs> oh, I'll be, uh, I'll glide on that for a while. <laughs> and he did. Say, he did say that he he actually made at, at some point. He actually made like these really good um, night eye security patches from the from the from the film. Man, this guy's obsessed. I uh, I would love to have one of those patches. I would. I would just. I would create the uniform. <laughs> just thinking so of a patch. Yeah, just so <laughs> I could put that patch on. Oh shit! It'd be amazing. I'd love to be a. I reckon night eyes more so than any film. Increased the uh, the volume of applicants for security guard jobs <laughs> during that kind of 1990, mm. was it 1990, 1993, 1994 kind of year. Because <laughs> who wouldn't want to be a, 
I mean, I'm more like the other guy. Like Andrew Stevens in the film, Andrew Stevens is a bit um, kind of nonplussed when his boss is like, yeah, we installed a security camera in her bedroom. <laughs> You're more like a poor black. <laughs> yeah, I'm more like the other guy going, yeah, I installed a camera in her bedroom. No. Only in, only only for jokes. <laughs> I installed the camera in her bedroom and she wears pink panties. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I mean, it's very it's a very fine line between between that guy in Night Eyes and uh, the bald one in Sliver. Oh yeah, where he's got them, he's rigged up all the hotel rooms. I prefer it to be. I'm more like the uh, the guys in uh, Vacancy. I was about to say that. I was going to say you're the fucking hotel owner in Vacancy. <laughs> you're living in the roof. I just uh, make money any way I can. <laughs> that snuff films in my hotel where I've built secret tunnels. Oh my goodness. Well, speaking of creepy thrillers, this uh, this one this week we're talking about is Cat Person, directed by Susanna Fogel, who I'm about to play a chat with. This movie is a creeper because it, I mean, it, there's no, they're not hiding the fact that it is a comedy thriller, right? But if you do go into it unaware, which you're not going to if you listen to this because I'm going to tell you, <laughs> uh, it, it's a teen comedy. And I was halfway through this film thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm on board with this. It's not really doing it for me. And then the fucking film flips and you're like, yeah, I'm on board. And that <laughs> first half makes sense. Like it's yeah. well worth it. Um, it's part, yeah, like part comedy, part psychotic thriller. Unpredictable. I mean, let's face it. There's always a psycho character in those teen comedies. Usually, it's the popular girl. Yeah. <laughs> like they're they're like in Slotherhouse, which we spoke to the director the other day, which will be in an upcoming episode. Yep. The sorority stuff in Slotherhouse, like they're all fucking psychotic. <laughs> yes, this is a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I do like about this, and you're going to hear me talk about this with her, is it shines a light on. The behavior of all involved, right? So it is essentially about dating. It's the dating scene and it's um, a girl that works in the cinema is charmed by one of the customers that's clearly been sort of had his eye on her. And they go out on a date and, you know... Isn't that the happens in Whiplash? <laughs> Except it's the, the, the drama music obsession. What, he goes out with uh, but it becomes, it's, Supergirl? It's, it's this story that, you know, he becomes a bit obsessed with her starts to scare her because he's a bit too into her and but at the same time she's kind of leading him on because she doesn't want him to know how inexperienced she is and all this but the film looks at the personality of both of them doesn't justify either way but it actually it goes into depths that you know a lot of people wouldn't want you to explore in a movie like this and it has got a bit of backlash because of shines too much light on the guy and what motivates him Mm. Right, and that's what I love about it. But look, I'm not doing it justice. Listen to the conversation; she's going to tell you all about that. Very morally complex. Um, yeah, here it is. And then after that, stick around because we've got the boneheads coming up as well as our recommendations. Well, it is a pleasure to meet you. What an awesome film this is! I'm still trying to process it. If I'm being honest with you, thank you. That's great. I hope that you continue to process it slowly for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like on a real roller coaster of emotions, and it is based on a popular um, short story that went viral. How did it come to you? Um, it came to. I, I was aware of the story, but off doing other projects, and then, um, and then it. It cropped up as a full-fledged script that was adapted by this writer, Michelle Ashford, whose work I was a fan of um, a couple of years later. So it was sent to me by a producer that knew me from other, from past lives, past lives in Hollywood. And, and he had the, he had the foresight to see that this was something that I, I would connect to, even though what I'd done previously was more just strictly comedic, which I yes. give him a lot of credit for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, sometimes people that have that back that comedy background, you know, are the best people to take on certain subject matters that have. Oh yeah, we're, we're also we're also damaged. I mean, we're the perfect <laughs> people to talk about like horrific <laughs> inner lives. That's what leads us to have the careers we have. Well, you know, speaking of that, like I think you've successfully tapped into some very raw emotions here that I think a lot of people are going to relate to nobody in this film particularly comes off perfectly, which is what I found quite fascinating about it. They're all rather flawed. Um, and so other people are going to watch this coming at it from different perspectives. What did you identify with when you first read it? Well, that's a great question. Um, I identify, I mean, I really identified with when I first read this short story, you mean? Mm -hmm. um, oh, either or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really identified with Margot in the sense that, what I liked so much about her was that she was not a, she was not like a, just a victim. Like she also had her own complicated ego about the whole yeah. thing. It wasn't a story about a naive woman who was preyed upon. It was a story about a woman who was like trying to find her own power and trying to sort of act, act as if she had more experience than she had. And, you know, she it, I just connected to that I connected with the ways that she sort of was like feeling herself with Robert and wanting him for that as she knew she could um and I don't know I I liked I liked that aspect of her too you know I think that's what's going to surprise a lot of people about this film it certainly is what caught me off guard um and look this is a really tricky film for me to prep an interview for and to talk about because so much of what I want to ask you is considered spoilers, spoilers so I'm not, I know, I'm, I not know. I'm not gonna do that but um you do take the story further than what the short story did. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that's where it gets particularly interesting. You've added a lot of complexity to a lot of the themes. What was your mission in terms of the ambiguity of where it does go after the the, the short finishes? Um, you know, it's funny, like where we where Michelle and I wanted it to go was just to a place of um was just to a place of Robert's sort of psychology we wanted to like acknowledge his inner life because it mm -hmm. felt like that was the you can't make a movie where there's two dimensional physical human beings and not give one of them a perspective especially because an actor is like asking you why did i say that what did i do what, what's the subtext why did i tell her that what's my problem you know we had to like talk about what his what all the context that led him to do everything he did had to be like figured out and yep. in doing that you end up seeing him as a full-fledged person not just a projection so we wanted that that's kind of as far as we, that's what we wanted um, in setting out to make the movie. Talking mm -hmm. about it now in the context of like analyzing the work of the movie in hindsight, yeah. I've come to understand it as 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 other things too. Like it, it, it sort of like has a different significance now that I'm like talking about it from a bird's eye view, which is that, you know, the story caused so much drama in the culture. It was, so, it provoked so much anger, so much male anger um like defending robert vilifying mm -hmm. margot for jerking robert around all these feelings were coming out feeling like robert's perspective wasn't taken seriously and then women saying well welcome to our world we always have our mm -hmm. perspectives not taken seriously and then the men saying well this is still unfair and the women saying why are you so sensitive it's payback time and then the men <laughs> we have to have payback time or whatever there's all of there was all these layers upon layers upon layers and we we wanted to kind of acknowledge that, like that anger that came out when the story came out, 
that is those are the those are the robert that 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 taps into something that robert is feeling like it's that perspective of why how could she do this to him why did she do this to him why do women do this to men like that anger was bubbling up in the culture about yeah, the story yeah. and so we're like okay cool that and so now i kind of see the end of the movie as in, in conversation with the story like it's this meta place where the story kind of brings out all of it unleashes this like beast um, 100% so i think that in, in a way i in a way like it describes an even more um elevated intention to the <laughs> choice yeah absolutely um, yeah, yeah. i mean it's <laughs> you know this yeah there's so much like complexity here like there's almost like a tit for tat going on as well because his obsession is sort of counteracted with her obsession at the start like it kind of ebbs and flows really nicely and um it's such an unusual combination of sort of comedy thriller and how did you deal with like the thriller elements of it like was it a difficult balance when you're trying to tell an important story or have an important message um i mean i a lot of projects i work on have a complex tone in this way it's like what draws me to them i yeah. I, I think it's like it's a little bit of a high risk reward thing where I'm like, wow, this could be really botched or really incredible depending on how it's executed. And I like that challenge. So for this one, I was thinking, I think that as long as the per person that's taking you through these different genres is remains grounded and layered and authentic in their responses, people can follow you through a lot of different explorations and genre and not feel like you're telling a schizophrenic story. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, and so for Margot, it's like, okay, she never ceases to be a person who's smart, grounded, funny, and gets the joke and is funny herself. That's the person you're following into fears, fantasies, conversations with her roommate about boys, a burning house, her trip home. Like it's, it's all, I mean, I probably just gave a thousand spoilers, but basically she's, she's, a, she has this vivid imagination, but she's still a person that you connect to and and so, I mean, for some people, they're going to feel like the tone is all over the place because they're not going to feel comfortable with the fact that the tone is a lot of things. Yeah. But but for a lot of people, in particular young women, that resonates with them because the experience of being young women contains a lot of tones. Like you're always afraid for your physical safety, no matter what. It's just mm -hmm. a part of your lizard brain is aware that you're like the fairer sex and you could be overpowered. That's always something that's going on underneath Ooh. the con most confident, funny woman. There's also a little bit of physical fear that just exists in you. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then there's so many movies, shows, books where women are, well, in particular movies and shows that if you're, if you don't like live under a rock, you've seen plenty of imagery about mm -hmm. like female victims. Cause women are usually the victims of those things. And so you can like instantly call up a thousand pictures in your head about the worst case scenario. It's just it, they're just in our brains. Mm -hmm. There's a backlog catalog of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think you really, you you set that up really nicely too, just with that simple quote. Um, I Forgive me for, I forget who it came from, but the, you know, um, men Margaret are worried Hellwood. about what, yeah. Yeah, what women think and, and, and um, women are worried what men will do. I think that right there kind of sets everybody in the right frame of mind for what's to come. Uh, so when you're balancing a little bit of comedy with some thriller, like, does it feel like you're directing two different kinds of films or is it just sort of a natural flow? Um, I mean, no, I think it's just what, what each scene, each scene like requires a different muscle um, mm -hmm. or a different tool. Like you lay out the yeah. toolbox at the beginning and then you pick up different tools along the way. Um, but I think, no, it didn't feel that way. I mean, I've, I have experience with that, you know, um, yeah. with that particular balance and 
before I did that for the first time, I, I got in my head about it. Like, how's this going to land? And mm -hmm. then, and then I did it a couple of times and I realized, you know, I just have to believe what's going on, you know, for the narrative of the movie, I just have to believe what's going on. And if I believe yeah. what's going on, it's not going to make it less believable that she's funny. I do think that like that, that having, if she had a sense of irony about the danger, it would mm -hmm. be problematic and it would instantly like take the tension out. So sure. she needs to be a person who, she needs to not be arch ever, you, mm. you know? Um, yep. And that's an important thing. And that also applies to, you know, that applies to like act, an action, you know, I directed an action comedy, The Spy Who Dumped Me, much broader. Yep. But like yep. in that movie, I always thought about, we talked about complex tones too, where it's like, People would say, well, you know, it's an action comedy. So are you going to have like funny, ironic action scenes where the characters are like freeze framing in these heightened ways, like in mm. comedic ways. And I'm like, I don't actually want any of the action sequences to be funny. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can have situational yeah. humor, but the characters should not be like lowering the stakes to like wink at each other mid. Yeah, they're not in on the joke. Y yeah. And I think that yeah. that's, that that's all, I think that that is like my guiding principle directing too. It's just talking to the actors about what brought you here. And then when you're here, there's going to be unintentionally funny things that are happening sometimes. Mm, mm, yeah. I think um, that's really clever the way you've used her best friend as well, because she says a lot of the things that you don't want Margot to say. Yeah. And, and she can be a little yeah. more extreme, you know, like she can be a little more, um, she's, she, and, and actually she's a character who really is a product of now that maybe wasn't a product of 2017 when the story came out. Like we wanted these two narratives, like the mom is sort of saying, you need to be, you need to fulfill your role as a woman. You need to like do a little placating. You need to be like a little bit leaning into your vulnerability, which is yeah. advice that we all still get at, no matter mm -hmm. how successful we are. I've gotten that advice. People give that advice, you know, to like strong women all the time. Um, mm. And at the same time, Taylor is a character who I think is a really specific voice for a, a lot of like social media culture now, like people that live on Twitter and they're they're engaged in warfare with people they've never met online. And mm -hmm. it like stokes their cortisol and their anger. And like, they're constantly in a state of like hypervigilance because of like this, this world that they've created, um, yep. which is so conflict ridden and so extreme. Um, and in a weird way, it, it it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where then they don't want to go outside and engage with people because they've, they've sort of learned the lesson that like humanity is as bad as like the worst person on Twitter. So like yeah. take any risks, you know? So yeah, yeah. wanted somebody who's like, she's got a lot of ideas. She's got a lot of hot takes. She's really, really smart. And she can talk yep. herself out of like being present and living life basically, you know? Totally. And she's got a fantastic arc as well. I think I, I really enjoyed where you took her character for sure. Um, and look, I'm just about out of time, but before I do wrap up, I, I just want to say, I can't really find any comparable films. I can't think of another film that's quite like this one, which is a compliment to you, but did you take any inspiration from any particular films, just either tonally or structurally? Yeah, uh, we did. It's, it's funny. It was really hard. You know, when you're, when you're pitching a movie, you're always like, it's this meets this meets this. Yeah. And like, there wasn't a good example of something like this, which mm. I always take as a good thing, but it makes it harder to like, it's like explaining a joke to somebody. It's really hard to, <laughs> yeah. explain, you know, Absolutely. just let me do it. Just let me do it. Um, but yeah, for this one, um, there were elements of different movies. Um, mm -hmm. Michelle took a lot of inspiration from Get Out. Um, 
for me, that movie, there's much, there's a much clearer good guy, bad guy. So it, it isn't quite that, but the way that yep. that sort of hijacks, it, it starts as a banal story and then like gets hijacked into another thing was relatable in terms of like the unveiling of the different tones and the escalation into madness. I, yeah. I, would, I always compare it to, um, pacing wise to a movie like Parasite, where it starts out, it starts out like a, like a comedy of manners, like an observational movie with some stuff that makes you uncomfortable. And then it escalates into something completely different. And you're like, whoa, what did they just do? Like, that's kind of what happens in our movie and happened in that movie, but it's not an orthodox way to structure a movie. Um, And then, yeah. And then just some movies that I think those were the two main influences um, actually, but yeah, it's it's hard. Like also the, but also she's a funnier she's funnier and lighter and there's more like banal 20 something kind of like chatter in this movie than there is in either you know so it's a different it's a different thing you know absolutely well it's fantastic and look like i said it's given me a lot to think about i'm still processing it it's been a few days since i have watched it and i'm still you know thinking about it so congratulations i think it's going to strike a chord with a lot of people thank you so much i'm i'm hopeful that that's true and i'm glad you liked it glenn thank you Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size, and this week we're going to discuss the movies we refuse, refuse, no matter how much James presses our faces against his ample bosom, we refuse to watch them. Yeah, and we're all three movie lovers, but there are just certain ones where we just, no thank you. And we really love James's bosom. Thanks, I've been trying, you know, I tried to bring something to the table. Well, you bring the bosoms. Now, my I'll go first. Mine is a 2019 musical, and Chad, we both know musicals are our favorite subgenre. Mm. Taylor Swift, Judy Dench, Idris Elba, James Corden, Jennifer Hudson. Hell, I think they've even got Gandalf in that damn piece of shit. But yep. I refuse to watch Cats. Now, I probably will eventually watch Cats. I guess you, sh- you I should, should, just so you can be utterly confused. And I have seen it all the way through and I regretted it instantly. Yeah. Based on this book by T.S. Eliot. Does the book make sense? Because the movie does. It's a book of poems. Uh, The artwork's by Edward Gorey, who everybody should love. Right. Yeah. And I like cats. Hell, I got two of them here at the the house and and, uh, feed them. James's mm-hmm. ample bosom. Who wants to go next? Um, I'll go. Um, the movie I absolutely refuse to watch, and I'm pretty certain that I will never ever sit down to watch this movie. Um, is Clueless. And as I've said before, it's a good movie, actually. I I just can't I haven't I'm seen sure, it in a long time, though. I'm sure it is, but there are several things going for me with that movie that I just have no desire to watch it. One thing as if that. Uh, and I cannot stand Alicia Silverstone. She has not made one movie where I have been interested in anything she had to say. Batman or Robin. Yeah, it proves my point. The argument. Yeah. Um, no, I can't even stand her in it. I actually fast forward through some of her parts because I can't stand Robin. her. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I can't stand her. Also, too, there was at the time when that movie came out, that was the movie everybody was talking about that said, oh, you have to watch that. You love movies, Chad. You should watch that. No, I don't. That's actually not anything related. To, and then just the peer pressure of people asking me to watch that made me not want to watch it more. 
So what I'm hearing is that you're a contrarian. Sure. Right. I'm, uh, what country is that? Uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, I was about to say, <laughs> I've got a really good answer, but I don't need to be kicked out of the New Zealands. Where are we doing this for again? Who is it? I don't know. Uh, and to our our Good Movie Monday listeners, nobody can see this, but uh, Joe now looks like Hank Williams Jr. for some reason. I'm James. A chubby version of Hank Williams Jr. Uh, Hank Williams Jr. was a chubby Hank Williams Jr. I don't do the coke. I'm the poor man's Hank Jr. James, so Hank Williams the third. Anyway, um, these are crooked. American Animals is my pick for this, not because I think it's a terrible movie, or it would you be a terrible movie. It. Um, it's very highly regarded, uh, seven out of ten on IMDb, eighty-eight uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But it's based on a true story, and that true story complicated my doctoral research. And since it complicated my doctoral research, and made me not be able to get into some of the archives because of the events that it's based on. They upped security. They did. They really complicated my work to get my degree, and I was not a big fan of that. So I, I have a hard time. But it takes about place it. in Lexington, Kentucky, at the Transylvania's universities. That's true. And allegedly, e Elizabethtown took place in E Town, but I still don't think that's oh, yeah, a reason to watch that movie. movie. It's just a boring movie. <laughs> These have been the pictures that we refuse to watch. If you'd like to send us more hate mail, you can send that to James's ample bosom. What about this ample now? Can we, can we, I mean, I want, okay. I want to sample the ample bosom. And it has its own zip code and that zip code is num, 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 num. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Sides. We're canceled. Wow, Ben, would you refuse to watch a movie? I, that's interesting <laughs> I definitely have like there are movies I do, do not want to see mm -hmm. I can't think of any off the top of my head uh, but, but they definitely exist what's the criteria why wouldn't you want to watch something is it because it's just pushing the extremities and it's gratuitous or is it because it's against your like, personal Usually politics or what's what's the deal well look yeah, I read a synopsis of a film. Like usually, like I don't like watching for the for the most part yeah. I don't like watching movies war movies set in the Middle East yeah, fair enough. I just yep. It's not your bag. Don't, I just don't like <laughs> I just don't like the setting. Yep. I don't like I get that. You know, the 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 really anything about them. Like that that whole conflict yeah. is something that I'm just not interested in. See, for me it's like sword and sandal, that kind of thing. I'm not big into that. See, I I like see, yeah, see, and I I don't mind that stuff. Yeah. And I like like World War Two movies and World War One movies. And Vietnam War films. I love those. Oh, yeah, look, I don't look my They're my favourites. My problem with Vietnam movies is that Vietnam, Vietnam, like a lot of Asian countries that are close to the equator, yeah. it's very hot there. <laughs> so everyone is always looking sweaty. And I, it's the the reason I don't really like drug movies is the same reason I don't like <laughs> Vietnam war movies because everyone's sweaty. <laughs> I feel like Vietnam sort of brought pop culture into the war film. That's yeah. what I love about it. Anyway. I, just, I hate being sweaty myself. <laughs> and I don't like watching like in Strange Land. Like I have not, it. I think I have seen Strange Land. I watched it not too long ago, but I refused to watch it for years because Ray Fiennes had like the long sweaty hair. And I was like, this is gross. I don't <laughs> want to see it. It's just yuck. <laughs> like that's the only reason. Yep. <laughs> I was like, he looks sweaty. I don't want to watch it. It is a sweaty movie, mate. Yeah. Strange days. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, that was just the boneheads. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting topic. I thought, yeah, um, we could do a show on that, but I don't know how many there would be for me to 
nominate if we did a whole episode. I, but I could go for days. Yeah. <laughs> go and look for the Boneheads. Their podcast is available anywhere you do get podcasts from. Their most recent episode was recorded live from Scarefest. They uh, hosted a panel with R.A. Milhailoff. <laughs> yeah, there's a name for it. Leatherface from Chainsaw 3. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, those guys are a lot of fun. Check them out. Uh, this is where we're at the final stretch of the show, Ben. We get to recommend a movie each. Um, I'll go first. I don't know what direction you're going to go in here. I know that you sort of had one in mind before and you got <laughs> pipped at the post. I was going to do, <laughs> like yeah. Gregory Moss. <laughs> That's right. So I'm sticking with Stakeout, 1987. Right. Nice. I don't know if that's the reaction I was expecting. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen Stakeout. <laughs> I know, I'm pretty sure Jarrett loves, I like, love, love Stakeout. I love Stakeout. And I honestly, I saw it on new release video. <laughs> and that's it. And I loved it. <laughs> And I've not seen it since. I mean, like look, I think I, I think I don't think I'd gone through puberty when I saw it. Before, I mean, I've seen this many times. Before I talk about it, though, John Badham directed it. Like, what a fucking legend this guy is! Like, some movies he's made, um, amongst many others, War Games, Short Circuit, Blue Thunder, Bird on a Wire, Point of No Return, Saturday Night Fever. For fuck's sake! Like, this guy is prolific. Prolific. And look, it is responsible for the first ever time I think anyone had ever seen Emilio Estevez with a mustache. I'm going to talk about the mustache. <laughs> Believe me. What a fantastic sort of buddy cop movie it is. And it, is, it does very much pay homage to Hitchcock because it's got a real rear window element to it because they're obviously staking out. It's very voyeuristic because, you know, they're, they're spying. The, the premise is two cops assigned to stake out the girlfriend of an ex-con. Uh, the girlfriend's played by Madeline Stone. The con is Aiden Quinn, I think it is. Didn't write that down, but I think that's who it is. Um, I think they made a couple of movies together, Aiden Quinn and Madeline Stone. Weren't they, weren't they actually together at one ah, point? were they? I is that think the thing? so, but in fact, check me on that one. But one of the cops, uh, Richard Dreyfus, falls in love with this woman and then the ex-con comes back and then it all just turns into like, you know, attempted murders and all this kind of stuff. And it, is very, it turns into a thriller and the yeah. comedy kind of does get lost in the... Final act, I would say, but before that, it's very lethal weapony. Like you know, it's like Turner and Hooch kind of was. Like Turner and Hooch was a comedy that's, up until that's that's that kind one. of showdown, and yep. then it's all serious. Yep. And the real magic here is definitely just Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. Um, like you said, sporting the most hideous mustaches that are gloriously hideous, I must say. Yeah. But what I found very interesting about these mustaches because when I watched it. And even now, I think, how weird does Emilio Estevez look with a mustache, right? Richard Dreyfus kind of, you know, wears it well. He's always had it, kind right. of. Yeah. He actually looks weird without one. And then part two comes along and they've both not got mustaches <laughs> and it's Richard Dreyfus that looks weird without the mustache. <laughs> like, they yeah. swapped. And I must say, part two is a decent movie in and of itself, except for the fact you've got Rosie O'Donnell in it. Like, she has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> She's Emilio Estevez's love interest. <laughs> Part two is it's a decent thriller. Like it's um John Badham did that. It's like forty eight hours and another forty eight hours. They kind of they're in, in on par with yeah, each other because it would have been around the time. Well, it would have been around the time of Lethal Weapon and all those kind of yep. you know buddy cop action movies. And it just didn't have the juice mm. to go past that part two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, yeah, it was because it kind of was a one trick pony. Yeah. Although, look, it would not surprise me if they're going to do it now, like Leg a, late a, a legacy sequel. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch it. <laughs> but I'll switch it though. But you, you, hard to believe these two cops are still just on stakeout. Yeah. 
<laughs> Why are they always on stake here? Yeah. Have they not seen Beverly Hills Cop? Like you, you just you just have your car with an esky in the back. Yeah, and all you and need is it. some bananas. If Sorry, you, if a you chili bin. If you want to get away from the cops, just buy some bananas. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy. I'm not going to bother with banana tail pipe. You need to put a bit more bass into it. Ooh. <laughs> 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 not going to Banana tail pipe. Anyway, Stakeout is just fantastic. It's just worth it for the, the banter between Estevez and Dreyfus. Uh, in the first one, right at the start, there's a chase sequence where Richard Dreyfus ends up in like a garbage disposal, I think it is, or it might be fish, something gross and grotty. And then in number two, the same thing happens again. And that's where you're like, okay, they're just repeating the formula, but it fucking works. Check it out, Stakeout. What do you got? I'm going to recommend... Before you do, before you do, can I just quickly add? Yeah, sure. The poster for Stakeout is one of the best. Of all time. It is great. Of all time. Are they, they're under a bed? Yeah. Is that the yeah. Idea but it's, it's, it's illustrated yeah. and great stuff. Anyway, continue. Uh, I'm going to talk about a movie that doesn't, I, in my opinion, never had a great poster and deserves one. Mm. It should have a, like a Mondo style redo. Yes. It is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> Shane Black. Shane Black. The movie that I feel returned Robert Downey Jr. It, I think it was like kind of like one of his return mm-hmm. films. I think he just... It was all he had all that prison, yeah, prison stuff, and, and then it uh, took a while from the Clory's way back, back into into the uh, thing, and it was also a bit of a return for Val Gilner. yep, yeah, uh, who plays <laughs> the pro detective Gay Perry, which is which is great because <laughs> I think before that he'd done stuff like Spartan, um, like, and Spartan is also it excellent. is good, but they were more like I mean I'm sure they got a theatrical somewhere, but they felt more like video. They were kind of oh no. I, Pretty sure I saw Spartan, but it was very, very much a. It played at the short Nova run, for, for two weeks, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but this one, it's based on a Brett Halliday novel who did all of the. Um, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Lloyd Nolan uh, movies that based on a series of books. Uh, who the name has just completely uh, gone out of my head. <laughs> but it was basically Shane Black had just had written Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm-hmm. Which is another fantastic comedy thriller. Bloody Oath. Uh, Which that, I believe they're talking about a sequel. Well, it's amazing because the, the the reason this came up and he was struggling to get work because Long Kiss Goodnight hadn't reviewed well and it had a pretty poor box office. Yep. Uh, and so he decided, you know, fuck this. I'm going to write a romantic comedy because <laughs> that seems to be what everyone wants now. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he couldn't help himself. <laughs> he couldn't help himself but put in... Action and Christmas and Christmas into it. <laughs> if, like, if you don't know, Shane Black sets most of his stories at Christmas at time. Christmas time, yeah. yeah. And so basically, this movie is like Robert Downey Jr. plays a he's a thief mm-hmm. who he's on the he gets busted doing a job, and while he's while he's on the run from the cops, he busted to this audition and kind of apologize. Like he gives this kind of monologue. Where he's you know begging not to be arrested and that he's sorry, and of course the director thinks he's just this method actor who's you know you because know, he's <laughs> it's a, like there's a it's a it's a an audition for a private detective, and he thinks he's just this given this phenomenal performance <laughs> and basically sends him off to like loves it so much that he sends him off to Hollywood uh, to audition for the bigger producers for this yep. this part, and of course then they team him up with uh, with. Uh, Val Kilmer, who is who's the, a real private detective, to kind of you know teach him what a pro, you know what a private detective does, and they get involved in this murder mystery. It's a really it's a chaotic really fun film. film. Like it's yeah. a, it's got a lot of complexity to it, 
And I remember struggling the first time I saw it, just keeping oh, up really? with the different yeah, ebbs and flows. But when I the second viewing at you know at home yeah. in the comfort of my lounge room, fucking adored it. It um, it's definitely worth a, a revisit. I'm looking forward to uh, to giving it another watch. Well, hey, we're we're creeping while. towards Christmas here, so it's the perfect time to bang it out. Ba- yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, this is where we do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Christmas movies I will only watch at Christmas, and that one I guess you can kind of watch yeah. it at any time. Any but time. I yeah, I um. But why not? Why not watch it at Christmas? Yeah, exactly. You're right. Excellent. Good stuff, mate. Good episode. Yeah. <laughs> We've hit the end. We've hit the end. Anything you want to add before we throw it to a song? No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's why I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. It was a good one. Um, thank you to Susanna Fogel for that chat. Um, I hope you guys get to see Cat Person. I hope you... Get to see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and um, Steak Out because they are bang up recommendations. Uh, you should see every movie we've talked about. <laughs> yes. Today. <laughs> Says uh, us who doesn't get time to watch half of these at all. <laughs> so, you know what to do. Hit up goodmoviemonday.com, go to our social media pages and join the conversation. On Wednesday, we will drop another question for next week's episode. So, please participate. Lend us uh, your replies. I don't know what this next one will be, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> How about a song? This one is from In Bruges. This is called The Walkman by Brandy Alexander. Good stuff, Ben. See ya. Bye. Finally close the door. You've left open wide. Locked it from the inside Listen to me I'll tell you of everything